everybody and welcome to episode number 123. One, two, three. One, two, three. Of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. Uh, we are covering the 17th episode of season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode The Honeymoon. Hannah, how are you tonight? I'm well. I've had dinner. I'm in my pyjamas. I've got a hot drink. What's You've smoked a big fat bag of crack <laughs> and you're ready to go. <laughs> not on the podcast. Yes, yes. It's a no smoking house. So it's um, very much a no smoking house. <laughs> uh, that looked great for the landlord, bang. wouldn't it? They'd be like, it's a no smoking house. Okay, um, does that include crack? Yes, I, I think we'd have lost a tendency if that had been the case. Uh, and also, I'd imagine it would be really difficult to podcast on crack. I think it would show. I, th- I think life would be difficult. Yes, it would. Let podcasting. Yeah. You never hear people say, you know... He's, <laughs> he's, it's just really made my life easier. Yeah. He's really come out of his shell since he started smoking that crack, you know. But no, we are here. We are talking about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the 17th episode of Season 5. As I said, The Honeymoon. Uh, Hannah, please tell us a little bit about this episode, if you would be so good. Sure. Uh, synopsis says, When an agent's life hangs in the balance... Fitzsimmons and Yo-Yo attempt to neutralise a weapon that could play a role in Earth's destruction. Golly gosh. It is directed by Gary A. Brown. Ah, yes. Good old Gazza. And Gaz Brown. And written by James and Charlotte Oliver. Cool. Okay. And when did this air initially? Or originally, I should say. Um, 13th of April 2018. Ah, a more innocent time. Uh, cool, okay, well, um, before we get into that, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping and remind you that we always appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectspodcast at gmail.com and you can also leave comments for us on our YouTube channel. And if we deem them feedback worthy, they will be read out on the show. And also you can reach us on social media, namely Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Rewatch Proj, that's Rewatch P R O J. And please do check out our French shows, namely Chinstroker vs. Punter, the Talk About Rhythm podcast, the Iron Sequel, his film, her movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Art, Film Bastards, and Entertainment Landfill. And we also appreciate reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So, do we have any feedback tonight, Hannah? Indeed, we do. Oh, good. This is a comment on episode 120, which was the episode inside voices silver surfer says silver surfer says mm-hmm. um i've been on board the mike and hannah train since the beginning i watched every episode except watchman only because i haven't seen it and look forward to hearing your voices every week well you know what our advice to you is then mate watch Watchmen. watch watchman <laughs> but and we do appreciate you having we do, train. you are you are like our our, our our first real feedbacker so uh, we uh, appreciate that I mean I, I feel I have this I have this picture of Silver Surfer in my head and I very much hope you continue to feedback yes, Silver Surfer right he continues I remember when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan Civil War happened um, it was basically Team Daisy versus Team Invincible uh, yes. I've always been Team Invincible, doing what needs to be done to change the doomed future. Yeah, and I almost feel like that's the Very way true. this episode might change this, but up until this point, I think the show pushes you in that direction. Yeah. Well, that's basically a like comment about what we were talking about. Does that 
like because I was saying, does it make me no? Because I think because the show spends time with Team Invincible and frames Daisy as the outsider authority figure that they mm. have to go to. So you're already just through the film grammar simpatico with with them. Yeah. He also says, leaving a mental note here about Yo-Yo speed-pushing Mac into the cell. I have a nitpick about the scene that comes into play in the next couple of episodes. Okay, look forward to hearing back about that. Okay. I remember thinking at the time that I seemed a bit off, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was about it, so maybe we'll get some uh, some clarity. Okie dokie. And I've got to say as well, this is completely nothing to do with the podcast, but there is a cloud I can see outside the window up there that looks absolutely identical to a swan. Sorry, it's the crack talking. That Emails. Is. Uh, this one is titled John from Chicago. Oh. Hello, Who could Re- this be from? Really? Oh, jeez, I wonder. Hello, Rewatch Project. John from Chicago. Oh, okay. Oh, John. Wow, you guys are kicking ass with your interviews recently. Was awesome hearing Craig Titley's insights into the show. I really hope you keep doing these. How's the X-Files going, Hannah? I expect you are mired in a classic 90s sci-fi navigating the wobbly first season eps at the moment. One thing I will say about X-Files is that even in its first season and a half, there are really, if ever, two shonky eps back-to-back. So power on, Hannah. Power on, John. Cool. Well, Thank you very much, John. Glad that he enjoyed the interview. The one thing out of the, that came out of the interview with Craig Titley that I was particularly happy with was to hear that Jed Whedon uses musical analogies. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to like you know, I want this season to be like Dark Side of the Moon, or you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I feel I feel kindred, and that was very very gratifying to hear. He was such a lovely guy to chat to, and um, he so loves the show. But and I think that's a nice thing to hear the fact that he did, he wasn't trying to be cool about it. Like no, he, well, it's this thing I did. He was like, I'd just happily make that forever and not do yeah. anything else. He, he was an absolute joy to talk to and, and I could have quite happily sat there and netted on for yeah, ages. Yeah, I'd like to, because he, there's a couple of really great episodes in season six and season seven that he did. Because I think he wrote the penultimate episode of the entire show. So, you know, he was there right right at the end, you know. Well, he said he was there right yeah. at the end. Yeah. No, I know, yeah. but I mean, writing the show, not yeah, just yeah. hanging around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We watched two episodes of The X-Files last night. Um, we had stalled slightly, but that was because we'd finished watching the first season of Rings of Power and I had a complete hankering to watch um, the... Uh, director's cuts of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so that so, was like 13 hours. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, so, that was like six nights, basically, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a bit of a commitment. Yeah, um, but a very enjoyable one. In amongst, um, you know, podcasting and, and nights out and things like that. Yeah. So it took longer than six nights. Yeah. Um, yes, but um, we watched Space and what was the other one? We Fallen watched? Angel. Fallen Angel. So we're about halfway through the first season, I think. Yeah. Um, Mike wanted to skip space, um, and you know it was it was all right. It wasn't the worst. Episode it's a funny one that is because I've wasn't... been. I'm going to do a plug here. Um, Mark from the Good, the Bad, and the Odd was very generously gave Hannah and I a copy of his book, mm. The X Files Guide, uh, which I would recommend on uh, checking out. In fact, I'm going to bring up the details here and give it a plug. Uh, so this is X Files 
episode by episode season one by Mark Kane. That's that's Kane of the That's available on um, the Amazon store. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that's fun about it is that you can read it like a reference guide. So what he does is Rebecca, who he does the X the Twin Peaks podcast, wrote the introduction as well, which is nice. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, and who he does the X Files podcast. I haven't podcast read it with. yet, by the way. Um, but what's great is that each episode is a chapter. And basically all it is, so for example, the episodes we watched last night, I read the things for the master, because it is like a log in the way that you've got the episode summary, a few paragraphs about it, and then basically just a two-page review of the episode, mm. and that's for each episode. So you can literally just watch an episode and then just you know read these three or four pages about it. Mm. And it's just a nice, fun sort of little thing to do. But the, the thing that you mentioned that was, that was quite amusing was that the, the, the episode space, which is... It's the lowest rated episode of the X-Files by fans and I think it's got the lowest IMDb rating. But that episode was written really quickly as a money saver because Mm. they were an episode short and the episode before it, Ice, and the episode after it, Fallen Angel, were both quite expensive. Like one Mm. of them was, you know, set in a snowy wasteland and the other one had a lot of location shooting and large casts and, Mm. you know, the army and all that. But space was so badly organized the episode um that it ended up being the most expensive episode of the season um because they they realized they had to um build the mission control set and all this sort of stuff Mm. and um yeah it ended up being a sort of false economy but uh but yeah so we're halfway through the season and i think we will uh continue it's just i enjoy watching it uh, in a kind of um i don't know it's a good after work show it's not about you though you've watched it lots of times I know. It's about what I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, this is what you need to come to terms with. Um, and I am enjoying it so far. Uh, right, so we've got another email that is subject first time feedback. Oh. Hi, Hannah and Mike. Tamar from Adelaide here. Big Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan and now big rewatch project fan. Oh, excellent. I am not rewatching Agents of Shield at the moment, as I did a rewatch relatively recently. But I stumbled across your show when I was looking for a Watchmen podcast, and have worked through your back catalogue and have been loving your Shield coverage. I am in for the long haul, and in reference to what you said on the last podcast, will carry on listening regardless of what you cover next. Oh, that's good to hear. You guys have great chemistry, and we should all be so lucky to find someone that we can geek out with the way you two do together. Speak soon and keep up the great work, Tema. Thank you so much, Tema. That's, that's sweet. awesome. Somebody in our hemisphere as well. Indeed. I think that's two listeners now that we've got who are on this uh, yeah. part of the world. Um, I'm I'm very pleased to hear you're in it for the long haul. Bring it on. And it's funny as well, actually, because the um, I've mentioned before there was a Babylon Five podcast I used to listen to, which was a kind of similar to our show in the way that, you know, it was an episode-by-episode episode review thing. And I did what? Tamar, was it? Or I think Tamar? Tamar. T-A-M-A-R. Yeah. Um, what? Um, Please let us know if we're pronouncing your name wrong. I would say Tamar. Yeah. The only reason I, the only reason I thought it might be Tamar is that Prince once had a prodigy whose name was spelt T-A-M-A-R, and she was Tamar. But I think that might be an American... That sounds like an American pronunciation. Mm. Um, but, 
Yeah, so this Babylon 5 podcast I listened to without re-watching the show, you know, because I knew the show well enough mm, yeah. that I felt like I, you know, didn't need to. So I guess it's not necessarily essential to... Um, well, if you've watched, re-watched it loads of times, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. But uh, cool. Okay, well, um, please do also um, contribute to feedback if you're a listener and you have been with us for a while. Um, don't feel like you have to, um, you know, send us great thoughts or, um, you know, uh, incisive analysis. You're welcome to. But really, just reach out and let us know who you are and that you're listening and where you are. You know, that's that's uh, everything else is just Tell gravy. us two things about you. Interesting, not interesting. There just we go. two things. Yeah. Cool. Favourite episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., perhaps. Um, so uh, you can do that through those channels that I mentioned earlier on. But now we're going to watch, uh, we're going to hit pause. We're going to watch the 17th episode of Season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode The Honeymoon. And then we will come back and we will share our thoughts. Indeed. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, The Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, so we've just finished watching the 17th episode of Season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the episode The Honeymoon, um, the title of which I now understand uh, in context. So, Hannah, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I thought it was a goodie. Um, poor old old Adrian Pesda. He's not having a good time of it, is he? Were you going to accidentally call him uh, Nick Blood then? <laughs> I wanted to, and then I thought, I say that so much that people probably go, all right, you also, don't need he's, to labour the point He's anymore. obscured by the beard as well, so maybe his natural bloodiness just uh, isn't as apparent. Uh, he's a uh, poor old Talbot. He's having a right shitter. Um... I loved it. I thought it was great. What about you? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It's, it's funny because in many ways it was, on, on paper, an unremarkable episode in the way that it was very much a... Um, it was very much a, they need the thing, so they've got to go and get the thing and they have to do the thing to the thing to get the thing over to another thing kind of episode. Mm. But it's a little bit like what... It's like what we were talking about when we had the conversation with Craig Titley, the idea that... They've got so good at um, making the show that they just have to kind of get the characters and the story off and running. Yeah. And it'll be good. Yeah. You know? Um, And I don't mean that that it's lazy. I think that they've just realised that at this point. And I think also it's interesting that this was another episode, and this is a bit of a weird thing, but because I think that they felt very strongly that this was going to be the final season. And this is something that I really regret not speaking to Craig Titley about, is I'd love to have known 
when they actually got the order through in the creative process because you kind of have to in some ways view this as an episode in the final season of the show because mm. from the perspective of the intent of of, of of the show and what I think they're doing is I think if you contrast this say to Fringe where and vague spoilers for Fringe but in the final season of Fringe the format of the show is very different mm. and is much more hard sci-fi and season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and season five of, of Fringe was their final season but in the yeah. case of Fringe it would be the final season um, this starts the same way but it's I get the feeling with this episode and, and where we are the fact that you know they've left the sort of space environment mm. that it's almost as though the show now is kind of doing a like almost a victory lap it's as though they thought they're like right okay like it feels a lot like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again mm. and it's as though they're just like okay well we're getting to the end of the show let's get the characters back into a somewhat familiar environment get them on somewhat familiar adventures um, We've and got the let's bed. just yep yeah, and mm. and let's just enjoy um, doing the show. Mm. Uh, obviously, we now know that the show has two more seasons after this, but I think there's a little bit of that in there. I think that what I got from this episode was just the love of the show that the mm. people who make it have got, and you just get the feeling that, like for example, they're letting Fitz and Simmons enjoy themselves yeah you know their angst is is kind of gone and it, it's almost like they're rewarding Quacking the characters their honeymoon and yeah. getting to save england from robots and, and it's all very mr and mrs smith you know yeah. they're kind of like you know the slow motion shootouts with their backs to each other as they circle the room and all that kind of stuff yeah so it, it just feels like they're kind of just having having a bit of fun basically mm. and i think that yeah. that comes across mm. i agree um I I just yeah I thought that there was a a good balance of action and expl what's the term exposition exposition that's it um, were you going to say explanation and then I thought that's not the term <laughs> um, I I love um, I love drug Deke he was great <laughs> and and I love the fact that Mac is kind of getting a chance to not be so oppressive father role which is kind of what he's been in these latest episodes with worrying about yo-yo he's kind of gone from being the stern slightly and you get a bit of this from him that comes from his sort of faith as well slightly pious yeah sort of character now he's just the it always makes me think of a bit in modern family I think of this scene quite frequently because I really relate to it. It's the bit where the um, the Ed O'Neill character, what's his name? Jay. Jay. He's, his family are all just being nutters and he's trying to reason with them and he just gives up at one point and he's like, oh, to hell with it. You guys are just going to do whatever you want anyway. <laughs> so, like, you know, what, what's the point? And yeah. that it kind of feels like that's where Mac is. Yeah. Mac's got to the point now where things have got so ridiculous that he's just like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> I just I'm not even going to try yeah. anymore at this point. Um, and again, I think that that's that's quite refreshing. But um, and it's nice to see Piper sort of coming in in a more um, 
you know, meaningful way. Well, that that's the thing, is that I think that it would have been a shame if they had ended here, because I think that with, with bringing characters like Davis and Piper to the forefront, um, softening of characters like Mac, mm. um, having Daisy in an authority role, um, and the deepening of, of May and Coulson's relationship, and then the in- introduction of characters like Deke... Mm. The show's finding new dynamics, yeah, and it would be a shame if the show hadn't did, didn't wouldn't get an opportunity to play with those things mm. a little bit more. You know, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but I just think that the one of the things the show does really well, and we've talked before about how it'll do things with interesting pairings, and most shows by the time you get to the fifth season, they've kind of run out of those things. Mm. But I think that because... Well, that's kind of made people parodies of themselves at this point. Well, they haven't allowed the characters to grow. Mm. And one of the advantages of letting your characters grow, it's risky because, you know, audiences like characters and they don't... Audiences don't want them to change. That's why this toxic fandom thing, you know, Star Wars fans hating The Last Jedi because Luke's a reluctant hero, even though it Mm. makes dramatic sense. Um... they want things to stay the same. Yeah. And it's not good for them. It's not good for an audience to that, right. to that happen. I mean, if, if the creators make bad decisions about those changes, then mm. okay, that's fair enough. But I think that because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. lets its characters evolve, um, I mean, Fitz and Simmons are a great example of that. Yeah. It, 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 it keeps the variety of dramatic... Op- options that they've got as a creative team fresh Mm. and you know the fact that you do have characters you know like uh, hunter and bobby who come and go um obviously you know you've had the ever-changing face of ward and i just think that it keeps the show fresh and it's great that when you know when the show was on this was really the final we're entering into the final run of episodes that the show was ever going to get to do to do but they're already, but they're still finding interesting new dynamics, mm. you know, and I think that says a lot about the show's ability to evolve. I, I completely agree. Should we enter breakdown? Yeah. Okay. All right then. So we open up um, in Herefordshire, um, the, the the rolling grassy fields green, of green England, grass of home. the green green grass of home. It's so funny though. Like um, every every time I go back to England, I do start, you know, kind of, you know down on one knee, lifting the earth in my hand and nodding meaningfully. Um, and then a week later, I'm like, get me out of this pee-pee soaks heck hole. <laughs> we see that um, Team Invincible are out doing their thing. Um, it's, it's, it's funny, uh, talking about how much the characters have, have changed and come along, the show takes a moment to kind of reflect on that, where um, Fitzsimmons, Fitzsimmons are going to skydive. Yeah. And she's like, make sure you've got no problems with the straps. And he's like, oh, we've come a long way. And you get the theme, the, the show theme as well. Yeah. Um, we cut over to a snowy forest and we've got the rambling Talbot um, working his way through uh, the uh, the tundra with uh, with Coulson. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how, how Hale broke him. Uh, and he wasn't in great shape in the first place anyway because he got, you know, shot and, in the head. And given how the episode ends... I know, like, cutting massively here, going straight to the end, but um, skip to the end. Mm. Um, For him to say, Hale broke me, and knowing that she is Hydra, they should have known 
that there was compliance issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should know. Well, I mean, in fairness, they were throughout the whole of this episode. They're either being pursued or they're against the clock because somebody's dying. A hundred percent. So yeah, they haven't had a lot of thinking. Time. Yeah, yeah. They're not sitting around the office, kind no. of. Uh, you know, uh, but Coulson pep talks him throughout all of this. Um, we see Ruby go to the uh, the transporter and follow them. Um, one thing I noticed, I want to talk a little bit about the music here because um, I've been listening a lot to recently to Bear McCreary's score for Rings of Power. And he does the music for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. And I noticed that Ruby's got this theme, this recurring theme. Uh, it's like this Eastern sounding thing and it is really similar to Bear McCreary's Numenor theme. Right. from Rings of Power. Uh, and I just want to mention, the music in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great, and I like the fact that for Bear McCreary in this season, well, really from the midpoint of the last season, has started mixing the, the traditional orchestral scores with almost with a very kind of almost John Carpentery kind of synth wave mm. uh, thing. And uh, it's just nice, it just adds to the, the fabric of, of the show. The themes has, has been very prominent in yeah. this season, I think. Yeah. And even somewhat incidental characters, the fact that a character like Ruby has got a recurring theme. And I only noticed it because of his similarity to... Um, and, and the blue warrior chick. Yeah, she yeah. She always had... She, a, a little motif, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. We see Ruby attacks them with her sort of death harang and... Um, Daisy <laughs> saves Death them. Ring. That's, that's quite the term. And um, Daisy saves boom them with her powers. Kill. And uh, <laughs> and um, the uh, boomerang. Um, but da- Daisy <laughs> is that a Halloween one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daisy saves them with her powers, and it's funny as well because, of course, Coulson doesn't know. It's easy to forget sometimes. And one of the things I like about Agents of Shield is that they never make this error. Of who knows what. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and also just the fact that they mention it. You know, the fact that he is like, oh, you know, a lot of shows would just let that go. They wouldn't mm. take the time. Um, we see a snow fight between Daisy and Ruby. And fights are always cooler in the snow from like, you know, Lady Snowblood through mm. Kill Bill. You know, there's something about a fight sequence in snow that's just kind of irresistible, you know? Good shout for Lady um, Snowblood. That's awesome film. And um, so we see um, that Deke gets shot by Hale when he's hanging around to attempt to help Daisy. We see um, Mac gets let out by Piper. I love the fact that Piper's like, he's fits evil again. You know, she's, it's like she's having to deal with the fact that she's in like she a just, sci-fi show. She can't really trust anybody. No. Or, no. Like, um, and primarily herself. Well, yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, she's, she, having a, she's having an absolute shocker. Yeah, because, I mean, she got punked as well, didn't she? Yeah, by she help. did. So we see um, the Team Invincible breaking into facility and um, Fitz makes a off-the-cuff remark about how oh having your arms cut off wasn't all bad yeah and I feel like even for Fitz that's a tad tactless it's extremely tactless <laughs> yeah um, we, we see Daisy give Deke shit for getting shot uh, I think I think that's in a way I think that line was added to show like given that he's had so much of the um Leopold Leopold side of him coming into it recently i think it was um good to show his sort of foot and mouth side yeah um that you know he is he's fits he is fits yeah and he, and he's still just and he's going to say dumb things and then absolutely inept. like 
nearly poo himself about how yeah. to try and get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we see Daisy give Deke a load of shit for getting shot. Uh, Daisy gives Mac shit as well, like when she turns up. Because you get the feeling that basically... shit giving in yeah, this episode. Well, Daisy's just not a good manager because what she does, like she gets back and the first thing she says to Mac in front of Coulson is, oh, I left you in charge. Why have you screwed up, basically? Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's a shit heel kind of move, that is. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just, there's a kind of, I guess, an emotional maturity or something that she just doesn't have. Well, like May goes on to say. She's not ready. She's not ready for no, it. No. And, um, and it's like, it's a little bit like a child's view of managing, because I think... When you're a kid, you think that the person in, char- in charge is the person who knows the most and mm. is the best at everything. Yeah. And that's not the case. No. You know, it's the fact that a manager shouldn't know their staff's jobs better than their staff. Mm. The staff should know their jobs better than the manager. Yeah. You know. And but it, the, man- the manager should um, be able to get the best out of those yeah, staff. Yeah, and understand how those roles connect. Mm. And uh, be able to motivate them positively yeah, to do the yeah, best that they yeah, can do. Exactly. Um, so it's, you know, she's great, but her skills lie, at this point at least, lie elsewhere. Mm. Um, and obviously Simmons isn't there to treat um, Deke, so uh, that causes a bit of a problem. Max says that he's not afraid to put and got a steady hand, so he says that, look, you know, uh, that him and Piper will basically Google their way through it. Yeah. Um, we see I, Ivanov. I love the bit that, they talk about anaesthetic and she goes, well, I haven't read that chapter and he's passed out, so it's fine. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, we see Ivanov is guarding the base. Now, the thing is, I know it's a running joke, but I'm like, oh, Ivanov again. But I feel like this episode, I've got no problem with Ivanov because when he's just being a tough, mm. you know, when he's just being second-tier um, villainous character, mm. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, but it's just... I guess the issue is that I supposed have, to be the big bear. Yeah, it's when he's elevated and he's doing the scenery chewing uh, stuff for like yeah. ten minutes at a time, where I'm just like, no, nah, that's a little bit above your station Enough. here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and again, I, I, that's not. I'm not saying it's because of the actor. It's just that that character is. You flesh out a, a character enough for where they are in the story. So, for mm. example. When you've got extras in the background on a scene, you don't flesh them out at all because they're extras. Mm. Uh, if you've got characters who are going to be commanding the screen for large periods of time, they need to be fleshed out considerably. And yeah. I just feel that his character was never fleshed out enough for how much he dominated the the screen time. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, but here. It's fine because he's, mm. he's, he's he's a bit like one of those characters in a Bond movie, who you see stand like the guy with the bowler hat, you know. Yeah. Um, he looks like or he, he, Jaws. Yeah, yeah. He's, mm. he's like the guy who you see standing, the henchman, basically. Mm. Yeah, he um, and he is a henchman. So May kicks off at Coulson about the crazy risks that he's been taking, mm-hmm. um, and she questions. And that he's sort of well taking risks, but also not thinking long-term about anything. Yeah, Just exactly. kind of going, fuck it. Well, I'm going to die anyway, so I may as well go out in a blaze of glory, basically. Yeah, yeah, sort of... And, and um, sort of taking everybody with him. Yeah. You know, so doesn't really give a shit about that. And she questions if Daisy is ready. I like the fact as well that he's justifying him and she says, let me speak. 
Mm. And he's like, okay. Uh, and basically she tells him he's being ir- irresponsible. And she tells him that she loves him as well, mm. which is a big deal. And she says it, she frames it in a kind of like, oh, I knew about to shut you up. And she walks off and he's just sort of left there with like his cock in his hand, basically. <laughs> I really wish that she'd sort of muttered douchebag or something. Yeah. <laughs> she'd sort yeah. of walked off. Um, we see that w- Werner has his um, father's designs um, and he takes them to... Um, so Ruby, who has been locked up in her room by her angry mother, who feels that she sort of um, screwed the pooch when it came taking to taking her posters. She has, yeah. Uh, Ivanov I mean, wa- Dove Cameron really does, like, the, all her major roles have been, um, you know, mother issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a definite pattern emerging here. Mm. Um, Ivanov wants to go into the chamber first. Um, the Invincibles find the secret room. Uh, we see that secret Ru- room of mystery. Yes, the the secret room of mystery. Ruby is still in her room, much to her mother's surprise, mm. and she ha- hasn't run. And I think Dove Cameron is actually really good in this scene. Yeah, where she has to play like you know, you know, she's playing her yeah. because of the film grammar, but she does sort of turn on a dime. You know, go mm. from being teary and upset and emotionally vulnerable to. Oh, I'm just playing you really well. And I've got a note here as well about, because I've written that she hasn't run. And I noticed when I did that, that if I type the letter H, the first word that is suggested by my autocorrect is Hasselhoff, <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know about me. Not Hannah, your wife. <laughs> no, but on the notes app, though, that is specifically. So, uh, so you're writing notes about Hasselhoff quite yeah, a lot. Well, I, I rarely say <laughs> Hannah. I'll be like, babe or darling. It's not like I'm like, Hannah, this is your husband. <laughs> you... um, Ruby tells her mum that, um, that she feels that she's been a disappointment and then says that I'm your weakness and uh, does a legger. We see Daisy go to speak to Tolbert. I love the fact that Tolbert uses the phrase skin job yeah. uh, from Blade Runner and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And also, I must point out that on Cheerstroker versus Punter, my other podcast, skin job is part of our lexicon where it's yeah. used to describe attractive but uncharismatic actors. Indeed. Often. Which is what I think every time I hear the yeah. phrase skin job. Often who have inherited a franchise from an older, more charismatic actor. Yeah. The classic example of this is the Independence Day sequel, where you've got, like, Young Jeff Goldblum dogs. in a couple of scenes, but then you've got, like... Um, Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not even not even Chris Hemsworth. Not even the good Hemsworth. Well, have you seen that he's now taken over from Henry Cavill in The in Witcher? The Witcher. Yeah. And it's just, like, he he's, like... He's just the guy, the, the dullest shit guy that they uh, get. And who's the other one? Uh, Stephen Amell as well. He is in the, the next season of The Witcher as well. It's just like, oh, my God. It's like skin jobs as far as the eye can see. Um, <laughs> we see that he wants to get word to his family about how he, how he's getting on. We cut back to them smashing up the machine to try and scupper the plans. Mm. Uh, Yo-Yo says to the team that they have to let Coulson die because trying to save him is what sort of precipitated the the end mm. we see yo-yo in pain after yo-yoing there's something going on with her arms they can't handle the the speed S- simmons mentions that her and fitz will never leave each other's side anymore this is part of their plan yeah this is where you've got the well i'm protecting england from evil robots with the man i love line mm. and a slow motion shootout um and then we get uh, ivanov and yo-yo having a scrap and uh she takes him out and all the uh, robots power down yeah we get that great scene that you mentioned with Deke on loads of drugs <laughs> as he's recovering well, from surgery. I want to put my bath on her bath. Yeah. Well, it's the, we should have a handshake thing as well. And yeah. uh, I love the fact that they're encouraging him as well. Like He's like, oh, 
I really want to shave my head. And Piper's like, you should do that. Like, you know. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. Go on, uh, here's a clipper. Yeah, yeah, Let's here you it. go. So Werner and Ruby find Fitzsimmons. Um, Daisy sees Tolbert again at the, in the bumper scene. Uh, says that knowing her, if she'd have known that her dad cared about her, that would have helped. So she brings him the phone. But then we see his wife reading from the, the brainwashing cue cards. Mm. Um, so yeah, gr- another great job, Daisy. There, she's really excelled this episode. Hasn't I mean, she? yeah. If she if she didn't have father issues, basically, he wouldn't have made that call. Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, exactly. But uh, any final thoughts, her? I wonder what's gonna happen next. Whenever I say any final thoughts, I always think of uh, Jerry's final thought on Jerry Springer. Or, you know, you know, where he'd have that little condescending moment at the end about, you know, remember, don't, you know, don't fuck your cousin or whatever he's sort of... <laughs> I always remember how my, one of my favourite final thoughts thing was the, the Mr. T animated series would have a moment at the end in live action and Mr. T would always give some advice because obviously it was aimed at kids. Yeah. But he'd frame it by pitying fools. So it'd always be things like, ah, pity the fool that doesn't respect his friends. <laughs> you know, and like sort of a little life, ah, okay. pity the fool that sniffs glue. <laughs> Whatever the uh, moral panic of the day was. All right, you know. all right. In homage to Mr. T, I pity the fool that... Do the uh, voice, come on. No, I can't do the voice. Um... <sighs> <laughs> I put in the fool that can't do the voice <laughs> I can't even get my words out uh, I put in the fool that can't get his words out <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> I just pity the fool <laughs> let's just leave let's it just at leave that. It that okay well I'll tell you what um why don't you look up the details for the next episode sure. whilst I am telling uh, our listeners not in Mr T's voice um, go on um, how they can <laughs> um, <laughs> reach us in the next episode so another quick reminder doesn't send us an email uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you better send us an email boy sucker <laughs> that was his thing wasn't it yeah. my prediction is pain um, so yes we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and we are reachable through Instagram and Twitter at rewatchproj check out our friend shows reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify are also appreciated so what are we talking about next time Hannah? okay next episode is called All Roads Lead synopsis says the team must find a way to stop Ruby before the prophesied chain reaction that can destroy the earth is put into motion Uh, it's directed by Jennifer Lynch and written by our pal George Kitzer (gasps) Jennifer Lynch is David Lynch's daughter I know Um, so um, there's that Indeed. Cool. Well, I look forward to that. Okay, guys, so we will be back very soon to discuss that. So, uh, bye bye. Take care.